Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery-related, how to navigate the challenges that we'll face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we could go from living a life of simply just being sober to a life where we're both sober and happy. Often when I talk to people in recovery, they ask me how often I get judged since I decided to start being open about my past addiction and my current recovery. I only started posting on social media this last year, but I stopped hiding the reasons behind me not drinking about seven years ago, which was about the time that I stopped going to AA. Do I get nasty messages in my inbox? Do friends, coworkers, or random people I went to high school look at me differently? Do I get passed up on promotions at work because my coworkers and leaders at my company know? Well, that is what we're going to talk about today. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. Welcome back. I've talked in the past about my decision to recover out loud, but this topic came up again for me this last week after I post a clip from Congress that was discussing potential anti-fentanyl legislation. If you're not political, don't worry. I'm not going to dive into the politics behind it. It was the testimony of the music artist Jelly Roll that I was watching. In his testimony to Congress, he said the following. I was speaking outside to the media and I gave them a statistic that said 190 people a day overdose and die every single day in the United States of America. That's what about a 737 aircraft can carry. Could you imagine the national media attention it would get if they were reporting that a plane was crashing every single day and killing 190 people? But because it's 190 drug addicts, we don't feel that way. Because America has been known to bully and shame drug addicts instead of dealing and trying to understand what the actual root of the problem is with that. Now, I have to say that he is absolutely right. And that figure doesn't include all the alcoholics that are also dying from alcohol-related deaths, which have been estimated at approximately 140,000 a year. If we use Jelly Roll's analogy, that is another two 737s a day. If three planes were crashing every day, there would be an uproar from the public and a demand that we fix it. But for addicts and alcoholics dying, there is no uproar. It is self-inflicted, so the opinion is often that we did it to ourselves. Yes, there is a level of personal responsibility that we need to take if we are the ones abusing a substance, but we can't ignore the deeper root causes of why so many people are dying every day of addiction. We could blame society, we could blame the media, however, the only thing we have control over is ourselves. So I ask the question, are we also partially to blame about the stigma around addiction? The intent of that question is not around who to point fingers at for blame. But reflecting to ask ourselves, can we do more to change the stigma? If more of us were open about our struggles and our successes, would we begin to humanize those suffering more so that there is more compassion and understanding for those still suffering? Would it provide more hope for those still suffering if they heard more voices of people who have recovered? I know from my personal experience that in the depths of my addiction, I did not know that people that drank like I did could get sober. Every person I knew who drank like me died. Even when I made the choice to go to rehab, I was not certain it would work because I had no proof of anyone I knew getting sober. It wasn't until I went to my first meeting of AA that I heard stories like mine from people who were sober. My first thought was, 
Where the hell were you guys the whole time? I quickly found out that many of them were in my life already, but didn't talk openly about not drinking. I had a former coworker who was sober for many years and I had no idea that he didn't drink. Anytime he was invited to happy hour or offered a drink at a company party, he would give a reason that he couldn't participate or partake and never mentioned once that he did not drink. I only found out when I ran into him in a meeting one time. He came up to me and said, ah, I figured I'd see you here one day. I asked him why in the hundreds of smoke breaks we took together at work that he never mentioned being sober and he told me, I figured you'd know where to find us when you were ready. Here's the thing. I knew AA existed, but I only heard stories of people who went to AA, came back to the bar, and talked about it, and said it doesn't work, which only solidified my belief that people who drink like me don't get sober. Those nights when I felt completely hopeless and was battling the thought that suicide was the only way out, I had no one to call because the people around me who were sober were sitting quietly until I was ready. Would have I reached out to my old coworker if I knew that he didn't drink? I cannot say for certain, but the option would have been there. Now, I'm not judging my old coworker or anyone in my life who chose to keep their recovery private. I'm not putting one ounce of blame on him for anything that has to do with my drinking as long as I did. That is not the intent of this episode, and I believe that people should choose whatever is the best option for their life. I just want to share my personal experience so that people can see different viewpoints and make the best decisions for themselves. In fact, I did the same exact thing my former coworker did when I first got sober. The fear of judgment has been one of the biggest struggles for as long as I could remember. So when I got sober, I was petrified of people finding out about my past because it was a lot of ammunition for someone who might choose to judge me. So when I got to AA and the general opinion of the people was to practice personal anonymity, I bought in 100%. Now, when I talk about this, I tend to get a lot of messages from people who are members of Alcoholics Anonymous who inform me that I must not understand the actual tradition of anonymity in AA and that members must only not identify themselves as members in press, radio, TV, or the internet. I am very familiar with the tradition as I deeply studied the literature in the years I was going to meetings. However, in my experience, personal anonymity is often encouraged and even instructed by some as a way to navigate society without judgment from the stigma around addiction. Just ask a group of people outside smoking before or after a meeting how to say no when offered a drink, and I bet that almost none of them will suggest being open and honest about not drinking and why. Usually they'll tell you various excuses to use, and I have used all of them. I was worried that if I was honest, people would look at me differently. That if my coworkers knew that I would be passed on for promotions because they would think I was unreliable. That my boss would think I was drinking again if I had to call in for work for being legitimately sick. So I spent over five years making excuses, telling little white lies, and living in secret about my past. The problem is, secret breeds shame and does nothing to help combat the stigma around addiction. So what changed my mind? It all started with the conversation I had with a stranger at a Tony Robbins conference. This was a time of big change in my life. I'd recently moved back to Arizona, started a new job, and was beginning to listen to the voice that kept telling me that Alcoholics Anonymous might not be the right path for me. I was questioning a lot of things in my life, and I happened to see an ad for Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within conference. I'd always been a big fan of him, and the idea of walking across fire kind of excited me, so I signed up. 
On the first day of the conference, a lady sat next to me and asked, so what brought you here? Many generic responses came into my head, but I decided that for the first time since getting sober, I'd be completely open and honest about it. I told her that I battled with alcoholism for most of my life and had quit drinking several years ago. I shared with her that although my life had drastically gotten better, I was at a point where I felt conflicted about a lot of things and was hoping to get some clarity on the next direction of my life. Then I asked her why she was there. She said that she felt lost and wasn't really sure what she was looking for until that exact moment. She shared with me that her son was currently suffering from addiction and she didn't know how to help him. She felt lost, and if she was completely honest, she blamed herself in a lot of ways. She wondered if there was something she missed. There was something she did wrong. There was something more she could do now to help him. We talked for the next hour about her son, my experiences in the depths of my alcoholism, and my recovery, and most importantly, how there was nothing my mom could have done to prevent me from going down the path I did, and how much just knowing that I had the love and support of my mother when I decided to quit was what saved my life. Me and that lady shared tears, hugs, and the most important gift anyone could share with someone, hope. As I sat in the airport after that conference waiting to go home, I realized that I would have missed out on that entire experience with her if I had chosen to continue to live in silence about my past addictions. That was the moment I decided I would no longer be anonymous. Now, I didn't decide that day to hop on social media and start sharing about addiction. I just decided that when opportunities appeared, when I had the choice to be open or secret, I would choose to be open and honest every time. That experience with that lady at the Tony Robbins conference didn't take away my fears that I would be judged. However, I decided that if that happened, it still would be worth it. I honestly assumed that I'd be judged a lot, but I couldn't have been more wrong. At that time in my life, I just accepted a new position at a company I was working at. This job required a decent amount of traveling, and I knew that many of the meetings I was going to out of town were going to spill into dinner or happy hours, which meant being offered drinks. In fact, the first out-of-town trip was a team-building meeting in Nashville. This was the first time meeting most of the team I was working with. I kept telling myself that this was the worst time to stop my old practice of making excuses for not drinking, but I stuck to the new pact I made with myself. We were at a bar in downtown Nashville and one of my coworkers was going to grab another drink, noticed mine was almost empty, and said, Tim, what are you drinking? Just grab me a Diet Coke, I responded. Nothing a little stronger, he said. At that moment, my anxiety peaked to a level I hadn't felt in a long time. He wasn't just a coworker, but the vice president of the department I was hired to help support. It took every ounce of courage in me to say the next words. No thanks, I don't drink. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a very active imagination when I'm thinking about the worst case scenario. I imagine the moment I was going to say those words, that the band would stop playing, the whole bar would hear me loudly say, I don't drink, and all turn around and look at me with judgment. The band would probably laugh and say, well, it sucks to be that guy, before starting their next song as everybody laughed and pointed at me. The VP, my new boss, and his boss would all look at each other and say, Man, if we knew that, we wouldn't have hired this guy. All my coworkers would judge me, talk behind my back, and not want to hang out with the sober guy. My career was going to be ruined. Now, this is what actually happened. The coworker who offered to grab me a drink looked at me and said, Diet Coke it is. 
headed to the bar, got himself a drink, and brought me back a Diet Coke. A few minutes later, another coworker sat next to me and said, Man, I'm glad I'm not the only one who doesn't drink. Later in the night, the first coworker and I was walking back to the hotel together. He looked over and said, Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but why don't you drink? Is it a personal reason or did you have a problem with it? My first thought was, here we go. People are going to start being nosy and gossiping about me now. I was honest with him about the fact that I had a drinking problem and got sober years before. He wasn't being nosy. He genuinely wanted to know more about me. And not only did he not judge me negatively, he told me how much he admired me for turning my life around. He told me, It really demonstrates your character, and a strong character is a trait I value more than anything else. I got back to my hotel room that night in Nashville, and something felt different. I didn't notice what it was at first, I just felt lighter it seemed. Then I realized that so much of the guilt and shame I've carried around about my alcoholism was gone. It simply disappeared and never has returned. I'm not saying that I don't remember something hurtful I did in the past and get a gut punch of guilt sometimes, but I have zero shame around the fact that I suffered from alcoholism, went to rehab, and am sober now. And that is just the tip of the iceberg of the positive effects I've seen since I've been open and honest about this, especially the effects it has on others. All the family members of active alcoholics or addicts who have told me that seeing what is possible in my life has given them hope for their loved ones that are still suffering. All the people who have pulled me to the side somewhere and said, Hey, I heard you mention that you don't drink anymore. I don't know anyone else to talk to, but I'm worried about my drinking. Even the occasional stranger who has seen some of my social media content who stops me in public and says something that I posted helped them in a time that they were struggling. Do some people judge me? Of course. Do I occasionally get negative comments on my posts on social media? Yes. But those are very rare, and the consequences of being open and honest are far outweighed by the freedom and peace that I get from being my authentic self. This is the same experience I hear from others who have also decided to speak out. Hopefully together, we're changing the stigma around addiction, one person at a time. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. This week, I want you to think of one person that you think will benefit from listening to this episode and send it to them. Be the person who plants a positive seed in someone else's life. You never know how much it could impact them. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and keep living sober and happy.